Listener Production. Forbes in Central West is preparing for its worst flooding in history. We've uh, activated the ADF nighttime winching helicopter last night to assist us. Residents of Molong were left with a muddy, messy cleanup. The velocity of that water was extremely fast, resembling an inland tsunami. This may only be the beginning of an unprecedented disaster. In today's episode of the briefing, the voices of the people hammered by flooding in country New South Wales. There are houses in in the street, off their footing up against tower poles. There's cars turned upside down. It is just really devastating scenes. So we've seen houses swept away, people helicoptered off their roofs, rivers peaking at record levels, and rivers still rising in some towns like Forbes. This is a flooding event of a scale that this part of Australia hasn't seen before. So we're going to talk to people on the ground living through this emergency in those communities. That is in the second half of the briefing. First, today's headlines. It is Thursday, November 17. I'm Tom Tilley, joined by Rihanna Patrick. Hey, Tom. Hey, briefers. What could have been a major escalation in the war in Ukraine has been averted. NATO says that deadly explosion in Poland yesterday was not the result of a Russian missile attack. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defence missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. So that's the Secretary-General of NATO, Jans Stoltenberg. Uh, He did go on to say that it wasn't Ukraine's fault and it was ultimately Russia's responsibility, adding that the attack was not deliberate because if it was deliberate, an attack on a NATO member, which Poland is, could have triggered basically World War Three. Yeah, and although Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has now said he has no doubt the rocket was launched by Russia, mm. uh, the explosion did kill two people just eight kilometres from Poland's border with Ukraine. Yeah, interesting that Volodymyr Zelensky has a different view to NATO on where the rocket came from. It was a funny one. I mean, 24 hours ago when the news broke, people really thought we were headed for a, a massive confrontation that NATO would have to strike back, but... People took their time to investigate what actually happened here and um, the situation is not as grave as we first feared. And it looks like there's more detail to come. Yeah, and uh, it caused a bit of a stir at the G20, obviously, the group of world leaders meeting in Bali. Um, They'd hoped that all of the members of the G20 would condemn um, Russia's war on Ukraine. Ultimately, they say, you know, this is what caused these deaths in Poland, this massive onslaught uh, of bombing from Russia yesterday. China, though, wouldn't condemn Russia in the statement, so the communique they signed had to be watered down from all to most of the countries condemn the war in Ukraine. I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. That's Donald Trump announcing his run for the US presidency in 2024 in what probably Tom was the worst kept secret. (laughs) Well, he made the announcement last week about the announcement that was coming yesterday. And, you know, I think it's been pretty clear since he lost office that he wanted it back. Yeah, and during his hour-long speech, I mean, Trump took aim at his Democrat rival Joe Biden, talking up the crime rate since he left office and threats of migrants. Yeah, he didn't make any direct claims about the presidency being stolen from him, though. So he sort of seems to have dropped that out of the repertoire Um, He also claimed credit for the Republicans winning back the House of Representatives in last week's midterms, but the reality was that the candidates he endorsed did really badly. 
And interesting to see who wasn't in the audience mm. when he made the announcement, Tom, and a lot of talk around the fact that Ivanka wasn't there, um, neither was her husband, Jared Kushner, mm. and they were both senior advisors to him mm. during his presidency, but also that uh, Don Jr. was also missing. Right, okay. Well, that's particularly interesting that Donald Trump Jr. wasn't there. He was very staunch. Um, Gina Reinhart was spotted there, though, the Australian really? mining billionaire. Yeah, which is quite interesting and surprised a lot of people. Um, Rihanna, where do you stand? What do you think is going to happen with Donald Trump? I mean, do you think there's a, a strong chance he could be back in the Oval Office? I reckon DeSantis will give him a red-hot go. Mm. So I think I think that's his biggest rival at the moment. Well, it's it's very unusual that someone would make this announcement two years out from the election. To me, that smacks of desperation. And I'm going to go on the record here today on the briefing and say, I don't think Trump will be president again. I think... Yes, there are still a lot of Republicans that will support him, but he's done so much damage to the party. And as you point out, there is another potential reasonably good candidate stepping forward in DeSantis that I don't think it'll happen this time. I reckon you could be right. (laughs) (laughs) And a 60-year-old woman's body has been found in the flood-ridden New South Wales town of Ugaura. An 85-year-old man is still missing with a search set to resume today, so... Pretty sad news for that town. It's, you know, town of 700 people. This woman, Diane Smith, um, reportedly worked at the, the local store, so everyone would have known her. Yeah, and that rain over New South Wales is taking a bit of a break, but the Lachlan River is still rising, which is increasing flooding in Forbes, where the CBD has now become an island. Um, people are taking shelter there as all evacuation routes um, out are now blocked. Yeah, and we're going to be speaking to people from uh, that part of New South Wales in our briefing today just to get a better sense of what they've been going through. King Charles and the Queen Consort have made a donation, though, to the floods, which is nice of them to keep an eye on what's going on here. Deliveroo is leaving Australia effective immediately. The company's blamed challenging economic conditions and has appointed administrators to wind up local operations. Yeah, so this affects 15,000 riders who will be out of work straight away. And, of course, the thousands of restaurants that use the services as well. They've been in Australia since 2015. They were here before Uber Eats, but they ended up coming forth in this crowded delivery space, um, menu log, DoorDash ahead, as well as Uber Eats. And they've also been um, struggling in Europe as well. They've dropped out of Spain and the Netherlands. Yeah, and I think a lot of those local riders, a lot of those restaurants waiting to see if they'll get paid. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people out of pocket when they they go into receivership so quickly. And a few other stories quickly, Tom. Kevin Spacey is facing charges Mm. for seven more sex offences in the UK. Yeah, a thousand Teslas have been recalled due to power steering issues. Uh, NASA's Artemis mission has finally launched and this comes after months of setbacks due to fuel leaks and radar signal issues and the unmanned rocket has begun its 42-day journey to orbit the moon. And Novak Djokovic has spoken out about uh, coming back to the Australian Open. It was a relief, obviously, knowing what I and the people closest to, my, to, to me in my life have been through this year, you know, with uh, what happened, you know, in Australia and post-Australia, obviously. You know, I could not receive better news. I heard the immigration minister on the ABC last night, and uh, he was asked about it, and he wouldn't comment on it, which I found strange. But unnamed sources had revealed the story yesterday to a lot of media outlets. We talked about it and you've got Djokovic there responding to the news that this three-year ban has been overturned. So it looks like it's happening, but the government's being a bit coy about it. All right, Rihanna, we'll catch you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. 
right now we're going to the floods in country New South Wales. Now we're going to take you to the people in the rural New South Wales towns that are being smashed by flooding this week. Katrina, there's been some absolutely devastating scenes. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm in Queensland. We've had our fair share of floods, Mm. but this is unlike anything I've seen recently. Uh, Helicopter rescues from rooftops, homes being completely washed off their foundations with people still inside. The water apparently rising so quickly, no one had time to grab anything or get to higher ground. Yeah, one of the worst hit areas is the Cabon Shire. So this is about four hours drive west of Sydney. Um, This is actually the sort of part of the country that I grew up in. So this hits pretty close to home. Um, Friends and family spent a lot of my childhood driving around these towns. Um, So the town of Ugara, um, that was really hit hard with that flash flooding on Sunday night. More than 100 people rescued by helicopter off the roofs of their houses. Molong, it's seen its worst flooding ever. And that's where Jamie Jones is speaking to us from. He's the first person we'll go to. He's the deputy mayor in that Cabon Shire. Jamie, thank you for joining us. What have you been seeing in your community? Yeah, so um, four of our towns and villages have been hit pretty hard, but obviously infrastructure right across the the council area um, has been devastated. In Molong, um, late Sunday night and the early hours of Monday morning, the the central business district and about 30 residents were uh, inundated with fast-rising strong current um, flood water. It is the worst that Molong has ever seen in terms of flooding, um, about a metre higher than 2005. Wow. I'm a member of the New South Wales RFS um, and uh, we undertook you know, a number of flood rescues. You know, we tried to sandbag as much as we could, but unfortunately that, that water just came so strong and so fast that, you know, there was very little that could be done. In Kudau, we've We've had about 12 houses uh, and some businesses flooded. Cleanup is underway over there, and, and the bowling club has been set up as an emergency evacuation centre in Canoundra. Kide- in sorry, that the main street again was inundated with flood waters, and, and we've had reports of some houses having up to a metre of water go through them. And Ugara, I was over there yesterday. Most of the town has been evacuated to to Orange. Um, I think there was something on Monday, approximately 150 flood rescues by um, helicopter or boat. People were being lifted off their their roofs, out of trees. Um, 90% of that town has been devastated and it's just heartbreaking images over there, like nothing I've ever seen before. You know, it's been described by people as like an inland tsunami, the, Mm. the amount of water that hit. Yugara, um, so strong and hard and so wide. Yeah, so pretty devastating scenes. Um, the Yugara, um, the state emergency service, are currently undertaking uh, assessments of buildings to see what can be, you know, cleaned up and, and people moved back in. But, you know, for example, over there, there are houses in the, in the street off their footing up against, you know, power poles. There's cars turned upside down or... Um, have been washed away. It is just yeah, really devastating scenes, but um, they are a strong and resilient community and um, Council will work with um, New South Wales and, and Commonwealth Government to 
do everything we can to, to rebuild that community. Yeah, Jamie, just um, some of the aerial pictures that I've seen in particular of Yugara, it almost looks like the damage you'd expect after a, a cyclone has gone through. It, it's just extraordinary. You mentioned before residents were saying that the speed of the water, it felt like an inland tsunami. This flash flooding, has it just felt that it's been too rapid to, to get your things together and get out in time? Yeah, um, unfortunately... A lot of people have lost their whole lives uh, in Yagara in terms of uh, the water that come. People's places that have never flooded or people that have built up high that never expected to see flood water through their house have had, you know, up to a metre, metre and a half of flood water, if not high, through their house. And they had absolutely no time to get basics like, you know, clothing or... Um, you know, essential items out, you know, let alone, you know, those memories of photo albums and any other personal possessions. It just came so strong and hard. I spoke to a, a gentleman over there yesterday who um, said he jumped in his ute when the water was at about tyre level, you know, six inches or something. And by the time he drove 100 metres, the, the water was up to the window on his door and um, it pushed him off the road and into the front yard of the house and that's literally what stopped him from being washed further away. He then hopped out of the vehicle and helped a family that was in that house get to their roof. Um, you know, so yeah, for water to rise, you know, a metre within, you know, of a, a gentleman driving a hundred metres is just, yeah, it's just phenomenal. Um, as I said, it's been described as an inland tsunami by them over there. And the scenes, I've never been to war, but, you know, the images over there, it is literally like a war zone. No one has predicted or thought they would see this level of, of damage. Um, you know, I think 2005 in Molong, the flood made it up to just above the, the top pub there, you know, and it was a one in a hundred year flood. Well, you know, here we are 17 years later, it has reached another metre higher than that. Jamie, obviously everyone in the community is chipping in and doing everything they can. Do you feel like there's much help coming from outside, whether it be from the ADF or some of the state government services or, or any of those agencies that should be there helping? Yeah, so um, the community effort uh, in terms of uh, assisting where they could during the flood event, you know, people rescuing people, people trying to sandbag, mm has been just outstanding. It's what you expect in a in small country town. They've got in and helped where they can with the clean-up um, across the uh, council area. You know, all those wonderful people deserve a shout-out. The emergency service volunteers on the ground, you know, worked around the clock. Our council crews are working around the clock to do everything they can um, to support the community. We really appreciate everyone's efforts there. Couldn't ask for anything more. Okay. in terms of the support we've had both from the community but also um, working closely with the federal and, and state government. That's Jamie Jones there in Molong and Tom. I think, oh, God, you could really hear in his voice mm. just the the stress and the, the heartache that he's witnessed. It was It was really, yeah, it was really awful to hear.
Yeah, it's a beautiful little town, Molong, um, and to see the main street just absolutely smashed and then those smaller, even more vulnerable communities like Yugara are just getting absolutely hammered. Um, they are really, really sad scenes there. So today, a lot of focus is going to be on Forbes, which is an hour and a half down the road because the Lachlan River is flooding there for the second time in two weeks and the river's expected to peak at a all-time record there today. So a lot of people sandbagging, evacuating, really struggling with the flooding there again in Forbes. And the thing about this flood disaster, Katrina, is it's so widespread around huge, vast parts of New South Wales. Yeah, it's, it's you know, difficult to imagine, but five hours north of Forbes in Gunnedah, you have flooding again, and then four hours west in the towns around Hay, you also have flooding. These are areas that have never experienced anything like this. We're going to go to Cathy Finn now, who lives in Hay. Cathy, thank you so much for joining us there in Hay. How bad has Hay been hit by the floods? Uh, well, the river height is the highest it's been since 1956. Wow. So we've had a few floods, but this one has overtaken all of them so far. 74 is what everyone goes by, but it's gone higher than that. So, But the little it's the little villages that are around us that, um, like Maud yesterday, no one can get in and out of Maud. Maud was flooding. But, hey, um, yeah, the water... I've never seen so much water. <laughs> so worst flood ever on record? That I know of, yes. Is it hitting houses but in Hay? No, no houses. Only outlying properties that are on the river, with houses on the river, have got water. A lot of them have got water right up to their doors. It must be a really uneasy feeling. I mean, I know a lot's made of people's character who live in rural and regional areas, you know, made of tough stuff, all the rest of it. But still, to see something like this that's never happened before, a weather event that you have no control over, it, yes. it's, it's pretty hard. It is very hard because you just don't know. It's the unknown. We've got um, levees around Hay, which were built for 1974, and then they increased the height of those in 2012, which was our last big water. You know, if some of the levees start breaking or if we get a lot of rain, there's um, pumps going on nearly every corner that's near the flood water because um, the stormwater can't get away either. Mm-hmm. They've got um, 13 pumps down along the levee in different places. So all we can hope is we don't get any more rain. Dare I say that? After drought for so long... Mm-hmm. When they're saying, oh, we've had enough rain, we've had enough rain. Well, speaking of the farmers, what has all this rain done for the crops that are in the ground? Well, everything's underwater. I went to Griffith about a week and a half ago, and there's a lot of cotton still out in the paddocks that they couldn't get to. See, all the cotton should be all in and gone by now, so there was still lots of cotton. And a lot of the crops, you know, they've tried their best. You could see pumps on the little banks trying to pump water off their crops, but I think they're fighting a losing battle. So a lot of those crops will be lost? Yep. What does yep. that do for the town? Well, hay relies heavily on um, farming, shearing. A lot of the sheep are still getting shorn, which is really weird when it's wet, but they're all getting their sheep in to either stay dry before it rains, even though they've got to come through flood water, 
and putting them in the sheds to dry or try and keep dry because you can't shear wet sheep. Mm. So shearing is a big thing around here as well. How are people feeling? Are you feeling like you're in the midst of a, an emergency crisis? It's a really weird feeling because sort of you sort of think, oh, you know, after watching the news, like you see everything on the news and they always show the flooding, the rescues, the, you know, when it rains, that sort of thing, like what would happen if that does happen? You know, we're just hoping the levees hold. That's, that's all you can hope for. Mm. People up at the SES, you know, they've been filling sandbags for weeks, people going up there doing that. People taking food up to the people filling sandbags. All of the high school taking kids over to help fill sandbags. Just anyone can go up. People have just been going up there filling sandbags. And of course, everyone else is looking after them. We're trying, we're doing what they can. Mm. But some people can't physically fill sandbags, but they can make sandwiches and things like that. So mm. helping out where, where you can. In small communities, that's what you do. <laughs> That was Cathy Finn in Hay in far western New South Wales. And I know that during these disasters, for the rest of us who aren't in those areas, we watch this stuff on the news and we just feel so helpless. If that's you and you're thinking, I really want to help out, especially, you know, all these people who've lost everything so close to Christmas, uh, you can jump on the New South Wales government website. They have a list if you just chuck in New South Wales government and flood relief in, into your Google search engine. They've got a whole list of charities you can donate to so you can make sure that your donation gets to the right place. Tomorrow on The Briefing, everything you need to know about the latest COVID wave. Listener.